before the podcast does indeed get underway, I'd like to just give a little bit of a warning that there are a couple of words in the podcast that may not be suitable to younger listeners, and this is in reference to the language that is used. This is just a bit of a warning. There's about three words throughout the entire one-hour interview. You're more than welcome to listen, but I just thought I'd put forward this short disclaimer, as I am aware that typically my content is swear-free. This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Thank you so, so much for joining, first of all. I know you've been doing quite a number of interviews in the past week or so. Um, (laughs) I've been doing some reading, so uh, a lot of the questions that I had written down have already been asked, and I guess one of the main things is if you're sitting down to have this time with me, I don't want it to be boring for you. I don't want you to be getting the exact same question over and over again. So I've reworked some of the questions and sort of split it up into three different subsections. So I've got a little bit about personal, your life, your sort of how you've brought up uh, Northern Pacific, of course, and then just airline liveries and liveries in general from your experience. Um, so hopefully it'll be good for you. Uh, this yeah, is absolutely. my second experience interviewing anyone. So <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're probably very busy. Um, so I greatly appreciate that. Bit of background about myself. I'm 21, just recently turned 21. Um, I've been into aviation since I was four type of thing very very young age but also I think what made this so appealing to me and obviously your work is I'm a very creative person I've got no skills (laughs) but I do very much like all brand and liveries and I'm always someone that will look into things and see I would like to improve it that way or I feel like they could have done this or how does that appeal to that so it's a great opportunity to sort of have a sit down and and discussion with you so thank you very much for that Um, and before we jump into the Northern Pacific I just wanted to really speak to you personally and uh, I'm relatively new to this scene of speaking to anyone in the industry or someone that's worked on such a big project. So I wanted to sort of turn back the clocks for you as well. And when you were starting in the design space, and I think today we're sitting here, you're in New York, I'm in Melbourne, and we're able to communicate like this. How do you believe that the advancements in technology over recent years have made your work? Has it made it easier? Have, would you say it's changed in any way for you personally? Interesting. Well, um, I would say in many ways it's been good in that it's allowed me to connect with people, um, especially creative people, uh, in a much easier way. So um, I'm able to bring in um, people with specialized abilities um, much faster, and then I'm able to work with them more efficiently, obviously. I've been doing a lot of Google Meet. Uh, COVID has definitely accelerated that, that sort of dynamic, but um, in terms of just working on livery projects and specifically on Northern Pacific, um, I've been working with a renderer who is um, in Argentina. And so a lot of our back and forths have been on Google Meet and um, 
think in in the past it would have just been a much more protracted experience and it would have taken longer and um so or it just wouldn't have happened yeah um so i feel like i'm able to sort of expand my reach as it relates to people who have extraordinary ability uh in a really really easy way so that i love um I guess there's probably downsides as well, but I'm I'm very positive about technology, even though it's not my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I embrace it um, wholeheartedly um, in that regard. So that's brilliant. It's good to see, and I think it's obviously the world's changed so much in the past god two years. I mean, you could say ten years, but especially the past two years where you may be flying out. And I know in interviews you did discuss how uh, I believe it was for Island Air you were flown out, and it's. Maybe now, so we're doing a more remotely type of thing. So I get what you're saying there. Um, In a previous interview, which I read, you did mention something about how you told stories in your head and storyboarded a lot when you were younger. (laughs) And that may sound bad. That may have come out the wrong way. Um, Yeah, it makes me sound like I'm crazy, but I'm not. No, no, no. I do the same thing. I'm the kind of person that makes stuff. I I do that. I storyboard all the even of watching a movie. I'm like, okay, I will make the next movie in my head type of thing. Absolutely. And uh, I, I love personally doing that. And that that leads me to, I guess, the question, and it's, it may be a bit of a different one, but it comes to education. Now, I'm someone that came out of school about three years ago, and I know one thing for sure, at least in my environment and with people I knew, creative careers are often frowned upon. I'm not sure if this is something you experience. It's unfortunate the way it is. And uh, I have two questions related to education. So this one isn't so much uh, about how you got into it, but it's if someone's listening to this today and they'd like to go into creative and some, whether it's brand design, whether, I mean, God forbid, it could be airline liveries, what's advice you would give them if maybe they're being discouraged by their education system? I mean, we're talking high school. This could be college. This could be someone that's 40. It could be someone that's 60, but maybe they're being discouraged because it's not typical unfortunately nowadays do you have any advice for that uh, people that may yeah, want to do that for sure so i had that problem i you know my family somewhat conservative had really always wanted me to be um quote-unquote professional i went to a private school for high school which was a preparatory for university and that was not just my family's goal but mine as well um and i wanted to be an architect actually um, and so many creative people I know, many who many designers actually are have the same story, which is they wanted to be architects, but their math wasn't good, or they they weren't able to sort of navigate the the um, the educational sort of path. Um, so um, my path, just by um, by fate, was really by meeting Peter because we met as friends in mm-hmm. our twenties. Um, and we um, shared an interest in aviation, um, and he was a little bit more entrepreneurial than I was, and he was the one who, who, who sort of mused at the time, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we, if we did something that combined your creative abilities and my ability to sell? And so we did the proverbial start out of our parents' basement and, and create a little design business, which then evolved into you know many, many things over the years. But... In answer to your question, I think the idea of entrepreneurialism, um, also um, using technology to learn as opposed to depending on a degree to necessarily give you access to something that isn't even real anymore. I mean, the whole landscape has changed so much. So I think creative people today need to be um, um, highly inquisitive and very um, sort of curious around the craftsmanship involved in 
making things. And often that's a digital pursuit, but I'm just to learn those abilities and to, to, to become more capable in that regard, as well as follow and, and nurture your imaginative side is I think the path for a lot of creative people today, as opposed to going to school per se, you can still go to a college and certainly today's colleges have um, much more robust creative programs because that world has exploded. Um, but even students who come out of a college degree with design so, and, and, and think that that's all they need lack sort of the, the, um, the confidence and the ability to trust their own instincts and perhaps even the ability to be resourceful in their own way so that they can learn stuff on the fly because agencies today are like, great, um, I need somebody who is going to learn things quickly mm -hmm. and bring that to the table. And some students, I think, are sort of like, well, I have my degree or I have my certificate. I am now a creative person. And I'm like, well, yeah, you can work in design. That's great. But how do you solve problems? How do you bring your viewpoints so people who are really looking to be in my world, whatever that really means, are people that I think are not afraid to meet people, not afraid to learn, not afraid to be curious in all kinds of ways. Um, and so that I think has um, great power and potential. And when I'm looking for people today, I'm always hiring for attitude, training for skill, and um, depending on people to sort of bring their ability to find and find things, make things on their own. Like that makes people very valuable. So yeah, um, yeah that would be my, my thought. That's perfect. Cause at, at the last part there, you sort of led almost into two of my questions. So I might as well combine them. Um, I'll take away the education standpoint, but as someone that may be 15 listening to this, a lot of people that do watch and listen to my sort of content, they're younger. And I think one of the main things I've noticed is that it's helped them move into the aviation scene and whatever it may be, or even we're talking creative now because we're talking about uh, more brand design and all that uh, with you. Uh, in someone's spare time, obviously we talked about school, in someone's spare time, do you have sort of activities or a hobby or a general way that someone could get better at this kind of area and it may help them adapt to situations in the future? It may, uh, let's say they're applying for a job under you. Um, is there something they could do in their spare time, whether it be working on Photoshop for hours at a time? And intertwining that, you did mention something reliant, being your own person as well and being able to problem solve. And that's another question I had. And when you're working on projects yourself, I'll just combine the two questions. Do you believe you can heavily rely on your judgment? And if so, do you just sort of know when something's right in that sense? Uh, personally, I'm, I'm quite like that, but I would be interested to hear your take on it. Yeah, um... So I think you're, you're talking about instinct, which is something that either we're conditioned at a young age to trust mm -hmm. because of our upbringing. Um, in my case, it wasn't so much that. My parents were, again, more conservative, so I, I never really got that side of it. Mine, my was, mine was more work hard, uh, play by the rules. But over the years, I would say that I've developed an instinct. And that instinct probably comes from doing things on my own, such as entrepreneurial ventures, so uh, the designer I've just hired uh, who worked with me on this project, he, um, his portfolio was filled with like his own projects. School projects are an obvious, but then he's going out on his own doing photo shoots and he's figuring out how to work with people and problem solve. And, and he's running into crazy people who don't pay him when they should. And he's learning and that mature, that I think adds to that level of maturity, mm -hmm. that confidence 
Um, so I think today that's kind of what I'm looking for are people who are prepared to go out on their own and try things in their own way. Um, not just stay within the system of, I could say a school or whatnot, but just like, yeah. you know, um, that real know, world just, experience, you guess you could say. Yeah, well. like, yeah. And you may not be able to get it at the job that you think you should have, but you're going to go out and make your own job. And so, um, I think that is, um, very important. Um, and it, it, it rounds you out in all kinds of ways. In many ways, you don't even know, but it, it's, it's, I would see it. Like I would pick up on something that Alfredo um, is doing or the way he's conducting himself. That would um, be clear to me yeah. in a good way. Mm -hmm. um, it's because I think he's, clearly been dealing with stuff like that in the past. So, yeah, no, uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, I think but. it does. I think that's a good It's just about getting out there rather than sticking to, as dumb as it may sound, you have one photography course. And in, in, let's say we're in high school, hypothetically, yeah. but maybe actually then going out and doing some photography in your city. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a one subject. It could be anything in your backyard, making something of some a very small thing that maybe someone may find silly, but you look at him like, what can I do with this space? And that, that can help you then in the future for whatever it may be, especially in a yeah, creative. I remember there was a time, oh my God, it probably was just after 9-11. Mm -hmm. um, and so the market has had really softened and we were kind of stuck and we didn't have a lot going on, Peter and I in our business. And and I was bitching to him about like, I'm bored and what am I going to do? And Peter's like, well, why don't you make, create your own, do your own project? And so I came up with, I designed a whole line of airline-inspired paraphernalia, like T-shirts, wow. uh, in airline pillows, blankets. I did bath mats, robes. Mm -hmm. I, so because I like fashion, so I was like, well. And then the core idea was, and it's not that original, but back in the day, it was kind of original. Was taking a series of defunct airline brands, so British Overseas Airline Corporation, Transworld Airlines, Panet, Braniff, but I distressed the logos mm -hmm. and I created sort of a, a sort of a graphic look with these distressed logos and I applied it onto a billion things. And then I went out and I literally ordered X number of t-shirts, sweatpants. Like I, so I literally created a line and then I built a little tiny little WordPress website. And then what I did is I, I thought, well, I have to have something that will draw people in. So I created um, an exhibition. And it had like, um, so I had mannequins with clothing on them. I had all the clothing and all the um, elements um, displayed. I created a graphic backdrop and I had a show mm -hmm. where my friends and family came yeah. and I stuff. It was just a complete entrepreneurial capsule project that was all about airline. Okay. And uh, too bad I didn't keep a lot of that stuff because looking back, it's, I'm very fond of it. Um, but I did a photo shoot because I did little like little um, tags for the price tags and I did all these. Wow. You know, so it was all about like merchandising yeah. and package design and all the things that are part of my world that I didn't really get to do, but I did it for myself. So I learned all about commerce, learned how to manage inventory. Like it was a really great experience and um, born out of just plain boredom and desire to do something for myself creatively. So. Um, yeah, it's funny. I haven't thought about that, but your question makes me realize that that was exactly yeah. to your point, what I was doing for myself. 
Exactly, and look at the benefits it gives you. It's 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 putting you outside of that little square, and you're getting everything else, and it it benefits yeah. you because when you take that for the next twenty years, the next thirty years, and well, I did this, and I understand it better. So I mean, that's brilliant, and it's pretty cool as well what you did. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're gonna get on to Northern Pacific now. I guess one of the main things uh, in this, obviously, I love the livery. I'll just point that out straight away. I really, really liked it. Um, yeah. Rob mentioned to me who I did interview the CEO back in uh well during the event i had the chance to sit down with him he said that i did discuss him a little bit about delivery um and he said you basically got it spot on first go it was not a thing of back and forth 55 times um what generally goes into making the designs though i guess you got it spot on first time but were there concepts maybe or type of thing oh, was it just one yeah yeah i did a lot of work behind the scenes and I was very careful about what I presented to the client or what I showed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think I even told Rob this, but like there were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like, um, you know, uh, mock-ups, maquettes, um, tears, and there was a lot of editing, but it was based on themes that were sort of emerging from the overall brand uh, ethos. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I have been describing in the livery design was that I didn't just set out to design a livery, that the branding process demands a grander, broader view um, of, the, of the situation. So the customer, um, the, the category, um, and understanding some of the motifs and themes that would drive the ideas that would then turn into a story that would then extrapolate into a specific design. So there was so much work that went on behind the scenes. One thing that I would say that helped um, drive that presentation to success was that unlike other presentations to clients with livery, um, I invested a lot of time and effort in the mock-ups. So I actually had somebody render an aircraft, an exact aircraft type, um, so that the mock-ups looked very real. Yeah. In the past, I was sort of showing clients a very flat design. And I look back and wonder if that might have been part of the reason why the, you know, hopefully the design itself was great, but sometimes clients really need um, someone to um, bring it to life in the most realistic ways possible. Mm-hmm. And so I I made a decision early on to, to deliver a greater uh, sort of mock-up experience or presentation and um, they just—I think they—they they were drawn to that as well. So that would be advice to somebody if you're gonna, if you want to convince a client of something, and they're not sophisticated. This is not a sophisticated group of like, oh, I used to work at American, or I used to be the VP of someone at SAS. This is like, these are people who, this is relatively new for them as well. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I wanted to be really respectful of that, and um, you know, no decision. No vision, no decision is what I say. So I, I wanted to make the realistic mock-ups and, um, and fully transport them based on a vision that was theirs. And then um, hopefully that worked out. So I think that helped. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I think it worked out perfectly. But I think you make a good point about the mock-ups, maybe extending them a bit further. I mean, the perfect analogy I could put is clothing. I mean, you see a piece of clothing on the web, but you're not seeing it in person. And obviously... You could put, see maybe someone wearing it in the picture in the thumbnail, but it's not the, it, it's just not the same thing. And I think, especially when it comes to liveries, we can't go and grab a plane and just paint it. Like, do you like this, or should I go back and change it? But a mock-up, 
a rendering of sorts can really give you an idea of what you're going to expect type of thing. So I certainly yeah, agree with and, you. Um, well, a couple of things too is that you, and you hinted at this as well, is that I don't have many kicks at the can. Like in my world, if I don't get it right the first time, okay, not, you know, not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. I got maybe one more chance. Not that the client will fire me, but the client will begin to question their own decisions. That the momentum of, of sort of, you know, the project will get lost. And then you get mired in sort of suddenly a lot of like uh, myopic thinking. And it just, what I need is a client to sort of buy into the entire zeitgeist of the, of the concept. And so we had that. And um, at the end of the presentation, you could feel people were completely bought on. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I didn't have other issues for sure, but um, that really helped. If I had more time and more resources, perhaps in hindsight, I might consider doing something with motion graphics as well, and video. But these clients also, you have to be careful how you manage the, the budgets. So, um, you know, I was trying to sort of weigh the, the pros and cons between like, okay, I'm going to hire a renderer, but I don't know if I want to use additional resources to do video. I, if I had unlimited resources and time, I probably would have done even more, but yeah. I thought that was a, a you know, a good, um, a good halfway, like at least that worked, I thought. I get you. Well yeah, I, I love it. I'm uh, trust me. I'm very critical on liveries, and I think that's what we're going to move into now. Is the way I think it's the dartboard effect. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? The dartboard effect. Like yes. a livery is like a dartboard. You're yes. throwing. Like, that's not so good. Long. That's amazing. That's not good. Yeah. No, but um, I think growing up. I've seen how liveries have changed a lot in the past 15 years. So what I definitely appreciated about the Northern Pacific one is it felt, I'm going to say it, it felt like a livery. It didn't feel like, oh, well, you know what, well, let's have a white plane or let's throw something on the tail. It actually felt, and that was throughout the event. Um, obviously, I was there up in San Bernardino and Riverside. I was there and just everything felt so cohesive and done well. And um, oh. I guess nowadays you don't see that often in a lot of the newer releases. So I definitely appreciated that. And that's what we're going to move now is to general livery questions. You're listening to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Stay tuned as we depart into another topic. Um, obviously, a lot of my the people that watch my content and listen are aviation enthusiasts. So they have a lot of strong thoughts on the way trends have moved nowadays and I thought why not pitch you some of the questions given your background and what you've been doing of late I'm sure you've heard of the term Euro white if not yeah I'd be okay so um, it's probably one of the most used terms in recent weeks especially with the, with the reveal of the Iceland air new livery and uh, I was wondering if you could shed more light if you know at all on why airlines may look towards a scheme that is Euro white over say something like Southwest that is a full body livery. Are there pros and cons? What, what would you say their decision making is? Because to be honest, it never usually goes down well and a lot of people will then bash the airline and say, why did you do this? But I guess, do you have any more insight on that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think airlines, you know, are really their, their you know, their businesses at the end of the day. Um, and I think they're driven by decision making that has to do with bottom line, uh, profit, uh, promotion. And I think some, and... Often airlines, you know, airlines are, are run by operators. Um, you know, unless you're an institutional mainline carrier, you know, publicly traded, then you probably, you know, are sort of being managed through board of directors and agencies and consult. 
But a lot of airlines, they're, they're run by operators and operators are bottom line individuals who are not necessarily savvy to the marketing world. Mm-hmm. Um, they can make a lot of money, uh, but they're used to spending that money on fuel and buying airplanes. They're not used to spending money on the finer side of marketing, branding consultants. And I've seen this and I've had this challenge in the past where they just don't, they don't appreciate that, that investment. So they're always trying to cheap out. And I always find it odd. It's like I say to Peter, like, Jesus, these guys are spending so much money. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, because it's on things that they understand, planes, Not fuel, planes. But when you ask them to spend money on ideas and, and stuff that is sort of like ethereal, they often cheap out. The reason I say that is because if you have that, imagine that notion, and then you have an airline and a fleet of X number of planes, they see those planes as flying billboards. And so it's like, slap something on it, um, which I find a bit garish mm-hmm. um, and flies in the face of all the other side of the equation, which is the beauty of the aircraft, uh, the romance of flying, the yeah. glamour, all the things that I think the traveling public sort of want. But instead you get these, just these, and I'm not saying that they all are horrible, but I think we, we can all agree that there is there is that look out there, which just is like, there's no imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no symmetry with the aircraft. There's no sense of at all, it's incongruous. It's just bought the name of Also a white plane is less expensive and that's yeah. another factor. So um, I think those are the challenges. Yeah. Um, now it doesn't mean that a white plane with a simple graphic element on it you know, can't look good. Um, I think Lufthansa has done a great job with what they've done in terms of modernizing it. They did lose the yellow, which is sort of sad, but yeah. But then it's a German design. It's, it's going to be very sort of clean and utilitarian. It's going to have that sort of that sharp look. Business-like and sleek. Nothing over the top, just sleek. there. Yeah. Uh, and then the yellow is not gone completely. They, there's traces of it within the, the brand, maybe in the cabin. Yeah, in the accent. cabin, yeah. But... Um, but yeah, I think that's the, the challenge. And you know what? I was just talking to someone today about this. The cruise industry is also sort of facing the same challenge, which is slapping graphics onto these giant ships where the focus is on just getting people to spend more money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see what Virgin does because they're a great sort of challenger brand and they are investing more money in the ships. They're, they're doing things a little differently. Um, you know, yeah, the, it's still, you know, has a look, but um, I'm always interested in the category breakers, the the, the brands that sort of zig when everyone else zags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and when it comes to airlines in particular, I'm very much a romantic at heart. So I want something that has um, a pleasing sort of look to it, as well as um, something that makes sense uh, for the public, that is relevant to the um, intended stakeholders. I certainly didn't want to design a plane that somebody local to Alaska would look at and go, okay, that is weird. Like, why would they paint the planes pink? Like, yeah. I don't know, I'm making that up. Or, or a look that might necessarily not fly with someone who's from Asia. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of thought and consideration given to symbolism and cultural sensitivity, as well as something that needed to look, I think, beautiful. Of course. Uh, so, yeah. You make a brilliant point there about cultural sensitivity, and that is actually related to one of my questions. And this is completely away from Northern Pacific and probably... But only upon Airways, we know they have three Airbus A380s. They're all wearing 
I guess you could say, unique liveries in their own way. While it's the same design, they're painted different colours. The main purpose of those A380s is fly to Hawaii and Honolulu. And I guess the question is, um, do you believe that a good airline livery can persuade customers to select them when booking? And obviously this can even stretch to branding. If something is pleasing to the eye, let's say those ANA A380s, and they're sat in Honolulu, do you believe that really has an influence on people's decision-making, whether you're sat in that terminal? Because that was one of their main... That was one of the main goals, I guess you could say, was to attract people to the airline through uh, being aware of their culture. Okay, interesting. I, I need to I need to do a little bit of Googling on that right after this call mm-hmm. because uh, I know ANA, but I want to understand that more closely. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how directly you can connect the dots between, you know, uh, an aesthetically pleasing livery and people's choices to fly. I think a lot of people choose to fly for reasons of convenience, um, um, services, amenities. But I think when you look at sort of the sum of the, of the parts are greater than the whole, but how's the sum of the parts? I forget that quote, you know, it's, I think the overall, the entire sort of proposition, if done well, and there are no gaps, um, I think that, um, is a is a factor from mm-hmm. what influences people in terms of I want to fly with that airline and it certainly impacts my opinion like I'm drawn to an airline that has a certain class factor a certain style factor and that could be uh, reflected in how they treat people not just how it looks but the whole package I'm very much interested in that I mean I'm if I had to choose between an American carrier I'm more pro Delta than I am United mm-hmm. why because so much of the service offering and the brand is sort of airtight in terms of how they communicate it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and and frankly, I don't understand the United Airlines livery. Not not to be not to be catty about it, but I don't understand why they have a continental graphic on the tail, and then they have the United. Well, I know why they did that, but to me, it's sort of it, it's market confusion. It sort of doesn't make sense. So, all of that to me sort of is like I don't know. And then the fleets. Is, you know they're improving the fleet, but it's it's just a bunch of things. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think a livery directly, you know, um, moves people, but I think it has definitely an impact. Yeah. And done in harmony or in concert with everything else, I think it reflects um, sort of a greater um, a greater offering of some sort. And I would respond to it myself, but yeah. then maybe I'm biased because I'm an airplane guy, so. No, I think... I don't know. I was thinking while you were answering that question... What, like, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I was I was going to make like an analogy, and I get, it's a bit different, but it is the same principle. Think about fashion, brands. People are drawn to specific brands, shoes. Uh, you could list so many different areas of the world, and it's, they love shoes, they love coats, and they pick specific brands like your Gucci. We all know that the, the headline brands, and, and I think they... And how, at the end of the day, a lot of the time is you're buying into the brand. You're buying Apple... You're buying into the Apple. You have an Apple phone. I'm, I'm talking to you now on a MacBook. It's got MacBook and it's yeah. got the Apple symbol. Therefore, it's $3,000 more expensive. But so people move in that direction. So I guess I wonder if it's somewhat the same. And obviously how ANA were trying to really pitch those A380s as, well, get on board our plane because we're being very aware. And they look beautiful. Um, but I've always, I was always interested to see, well, does it actually have a difference? Does it make any kind of difference? But in regards to my opinion... I, of course, prefer something that looks nice. I'm, I told you at the beginning, I'm a massive fan of all things brands and creativeness. But um, obviously, at the end of the day, for me, it's what's the cheapest ticket. And I think that's what you make a great point of as well. It's like 
fr- from a plane spotter perspective, if something mm. is, is livery is crap, then I'm kind of like, oh. And I, obviously my eyes won't be there. But as an example, I was recently um, in LA and I had the pleasure of seeing the Air Tahiti Nui livery, which is on a 787. And it's beautiful. It's a full body. And I see that. And maybe I look at a China Eastern or an Air China. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, I don't want to look at it. But see, from a flying perspective, I guess it's just the cheapest ticket and the most convenience. And I guess, seeming we're speaking on liveries, in your opinion, what is a what is what goes into making a good livery? What's the aspects type of thing, generally speaking? Because I know it can be different for Asia mm-hmm. or wherever it may be. I mean, I think again, the the best liveries come from the best brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so brands that really know who they are. And in that respect, also know who they're not. I think make better decisions when it comes to specifically, let's say the touch point of a brand of an airline livery. Um, So I think there's that high level promise that they're fulfilling. And then I think specifically in terms of design, there is, and I, I think I alluded to this before, but there is some people who understand, um, the, the beauty the beauty spots on a plane. They understand what looks good on a plane. They understand angles. Um, if you, if you, they know what the five great angles to a plane would be and how that livery is going to accentuate those those beauty spots mm-hmm. as I just described them. So I think you know a good livery understands the scale and proportions of an aircraft type. Um, also, color, color is a good one. Um, there are certain colors that are just you know easier to work with. Yeah. Um, there are certain production techniques that I think look great, but are hard to hard to achieve. Um, and so, the really strong designs, in my opinion, um, understand through experience um, what it takes to produce something on mass versus a one-off. So, one thing that I'm learning about um, is just how do you design something that is going to be replicable um, against various op- various shops. Like what happens if Northern Pacific uses a different paint shop next year mm-hmm. for their seventh or eighth plane? Yeah. And how does the design and the, the component parts that go into making that design, how are they affected by different vendors working on? And I think that's um, a really sort of a part, a, a part of the project that people don't know. It's like the making of that livery, if somebody has more experience, understands the pr- production process, they're going to probably minimize the amount of risk in terms of those variables changing. So I think that goes into a good livery design. And then, like I said, just an aesthetic appreciation for the aircraft. And and then there's just somebody's own personal style factor, which, mm-hmm. you know, less is more is, is kind of my approach. Uh, use of color to create moments versus a dog's breakfast where there's just so much on the plane and it's like, oh my God, like that does not, um, you know, exude a sense of maturity and confidence. It suggests like a desperation. So yeah, uh, I, uh, and we've all seen those liveries too. So um, that's kind of what I think works. Of course. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I've just got a couple more questions, if that's all good. Um, sure, yeah. So this one is regarding the future and I guess it's perfect again to do with liveries. We've seen a lot of trends over the years. Um, 20 years ago, a livery may have looked very different. If an airline was rebranding, it would have looked very different to probably how it is now. And again, your perfect examples, Iceland Air, Aer Lingus, track back 20 years, and I think they would have taken a different approach. 
in 10 or 20 years time how do you see if if you're able to see how trends are maybe moving airline liveries may move towards is are we seeing any new type of a trend appear now that maybe we're not noticing or in 10 years time is it all just going to be type as we said earlier euro wide i think things come i mean i think everything is cyclical um over over a long period of time um there are no new ideas. So, you know, there's only new interpretation. Um, and so I think there's a, there is an ebb and flow to um, what is produced based in part by how they produce it and, and the appetite customers have for a certain look. Um, and um, I'm wondering myself if, if there is an interest amongst designers who work on behalf of airlines to, um, to um, re-examine the past. I mean, that was something that was in my mind a little bit was, are there things that I can do to celebrate, move into the future, things that are more heritage? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and it, it's really a, a talking point at this point. It's something that I'm curious about myself. I don't even know if I have you know, a clear thought on this, but when I've been sort of bombarded with sort of the, you know, the Euro white aircraft of today, it definitely makes me want to go back to a, a time when things were, you know, all things golden era of travel. And mm-hmm. so when I'm when I'm kind of reacting and wanting to sort of take take sort of you know um, cover and and go back to the past, and then what I want to do is I want to pull from that things and bring it into the future. So one thing I think about with my designer friends is. I wonder if there's, I, I'm waiting for some airline brand to bring back the Stripe. Yes. Which, yeah. which is seen as sort of like, like super old school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if you just did the Stripe on its own, it would be kind of boring. But I'm always curious as to waiting for somebody to be like, oh my God, they brought back the striping. Yeah. And boy, did they do it smart fucking way. I love it. I'm waiting. For that. So maybe that's my, my, a bit of the answer is like mm-hmm. looking for, somebody who can celebrate the past in a really smart, modern way. Yeah. Um, I did it with, you know, the, the, the mask for me was sort of a little bit of an homage to Declan in the past where they would, they would paint black on the nose to mm-hmm. sort of mitigate the sunlight, which was, I think that, that was the purpose, I believe. But that was one small thing. And I remember some of the, on the client side were like, well, why are they, why are you doing that? And, you know, I'm like, well, I had a reason for doing it. I wanted mm-hmm. to bring some flair back. I had some people push back and say, that's not a 757, that's an A350. Oh, I've, I've seen, trust me, I've seen that a lot. But... What are you doing? And, <laughs> and I like that people push back. Like, but at least I did it with intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be my, in my defense, I did it with intention. I get you. Um, but, 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 you know, I think to your comment, I am looking for things that I can do to, to, to bring back some sense of special, something special. And to that comment about the mask, I will say this. I had a gentleman approach me at the, at the launch. Okay. He introduced himself. I forget his name now, but he said, um, you won't know who I am, but I'm the guy that flew that plane for the very first time back in the, you know, whatever, you know, not the very first inaugural flight of the 757, but that he goes, I flew in that plane. Mm-hmm. And he says, he said, I just want to thank you for uh, bringing new life to that plane because it meant a lot to me. And so what you've done is you've given it your own sense of design. 
but you've also brought it back to life. And I thought that was a really smart and telling comment. Um, it was very personal, which mm-hmm. I loved. But anyways, it just sort of, you know, I, it was flattering, of course. A compliment is a compliment. But the reasons why he was saying it mattered to him was sort of special to me. And so, I don't know. Um, uh, I, I am always open to new ideas. And um, I'm waiting for somebody to do something as amazing, if not more amazing, in a smart way. And that's part of why I love the business of the livery yeah. design. You just never know what someone's going to come up with. So that's what are you... What's, any thoughts on that from your perspective? Cause well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you may be reading my questions because I've got plenty more, but I'm not going to keep you too long. I have two last fun ones, but uh, you've gone over... First of all, I did have a question about the mask, but I saw someone else ask that. So it's like, I'm going to steer clear. People already know the answer. Like I said, I didn't yeah. want to repeat the questions too much for you. Um, so hopefully yeah. it's been enjoyable so far for you. Um, yeah, love it. it's great. But I think, I first of all, definitely resonate with you when you're discussing the, the idea of a more personal touch. I mean, he could have just said, I love the livery. I love the mask and that's it. But he added that because of this. And I think as someone for you who designed it, it certainly hits home a lot more. Um, I personally like the mask. I do actually think it brings a modern feel. Um, there are some people that will always say, but it's not an Airbus. It's not Air Canada even nowadays. I'm like, oh, actually, yeah. no, pardon me. They'll say it's not an Airbus aircraft. I'm like, but you do realize that Air Canada does have it on their 787s, on their 777s. And it's, it's like, it's not exclusively. And I'm before that, there's been private jets that have adopted. I mean, most famous, I guess, is Roman Abramovich's private 767. It's got, it's not the same, but it's got like some type of mask. And like, it's not just... Of course, Airbus have definitely made it popular, but it doesn't mean it can be exclusively theirs. Uh, So it's definitely brought a new lease of life. And I think with liveries, I would like to see people be more bold. You either go big or go home. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I think when we're seeing these Brie brands, I definitely understand why they're doing it. Um, And I understand also how it can be classed as an upgrade. But as I already have explained about a thousand times now for the Iceland Air livery, it would have been good six years ago. But I've seen that livery now about 55 times. It's copy and paste, and it's become tiresome. It's become, ugh. And I'm not saying that I don't think they needed an upgrade. I just think I I would have taken it in a different direction. And uh, I'd love to see an airline be more bold with their decision-making. And I guess when I saw the Northern Pacific livery, I was like, this doesn't feel like... And in the the best way possible, it didn't feel like the livery was coming out in 2022. It felt like it was unique, and it stood on its own, other than away from all the trends. That's okay. that's my two cents on it, um, but yeah. I want to share with you something. I have my so I have a, obviously a massive presentation, but I want to share with you one slide because um, I think you might find it interesting. It has to do with the with the uh, masking. Okay. Um, let me just see if I can. I've never used this before, so let me just okay. Uh, okay. Do you, do you see my screen? Yeah. Do you mind if I take a picture of this by any chance or? Um. Know? Yeah, you can. Okay. Not not to share, I just also want it for me to sort of explain when um, I'm talking about the mask type of thing, if that's all good. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I... I actually had a whole series of different masking approaches. Okay. Um, and I still really like all of them. Uh, and so um, the one at the bottom is the bandit mask, yeah. which is the one that I went with. But I don't know, the hood kind of... I like the hood and the chin strap looks great, when you, especially when you look at the plane head on. Yes. Imagine at the chin strap head on, it, it's, it creates a smile. Yes, it does. And obviously it also matches the engine, you know, it's like exactly the same, the yeah. chin strap design. So yeah, you've got continuity there. 
So I said to the CEO, I'm like, Rob, can we not do a series? Can I not do a series of different, like, you know, I know everybody does the tales, but yeah. can I do a series of, and he was like, well, slow down there. <laughs> but I wanted to do some, so I had some other ideas in mind mm -hmm. and, uh, and I still, you know, I still, um, I mean, it looks good. All of them looked quite interesting, to be honest. Yeah, I think so, right? So anyways, I um, I just, on the topic of, of masks, I thought mm -hmm. you'd find that interesting. So uh, It is. It's anyway. cool to see you've, you've got different options. Rather than just, I want this one, you've got multiple ones. And explained it, I guess you can see why all of them would work in their own way type of thing. You're listening to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Stay tuned as we depart into another topic. I wanted to conclude on two fun questions for you, and I guess we actually did sort of touch on this prior, um, and it was in relation to you going back in the past and changing liveries and all. So is there an airline out there? I want you to pick one, because I know you might have like 50. Uh, is there one you would have either loved to have a say in the redesign, so we could be talking, I mean, as dumb as it may sound, Iceland Air today, or is there one currently that exists that you would love to have opportunity to rebrand yourself, and if so, what would you do to it? Oh God, Jesus <laughs> Christ! I can't. <laughs> My brain just like like fries at that. Uh -huh. But um, well, here's an airline that I it's before your time. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not before your time, but so Northwest, okay, which um, has was gobbled up in mergers. Um, Northwest, when it was Northwest Orient, um, it was um, designed. Um, with this red tail and it used some really beautiful like white gray i think black maybe navy blue anyways that livery inspired me to be honest at a young age i mean at the time i was probably like you know 10 11 years old and i used to see the ads on the in the newspaper and, and the, i see the planes on the tarmac and it was such a modern design. It was very forward. It was not like all the other airlines where they would have the symbol on the tail. It was just sort of a very sort of um, unique look to it. So when they did the redesign, which was, I believe, a Landor um, redesign. Yeah. It felt like they released, like they just, they, they, all of the, all of the, all of the, Person, not the personality, the sexiness and the point of view and the style factors all was was sort of lost a little bit. And I always wish that I could have been involved. You know, to your point, I was way younger, and at the time, I still thought, "Oh man, I would do things differently." And it's funny yeah. that I you should ask the question because it's in my mind even today. I talk about it. I bitched to friends over drinks about that airline and just mm -hmm. what they did. To so that's one, but it's that's a heritage airline um, that I feel like I could have, I would have done some something way different. Um, who else? And just quickly, that's something you could do in your spare time if you have any. Just do a mock up. If you have like a free a free hour, get like a, a rendering of a plane and maybe have your own spin on it of what you'd want to do type of thing. That's a, yeah, I, I know a lot true. of people that are young do do that. They make their own liveries. Um, so you could even maybe have a go at that if, if you've never done that before. I I made I actually may do that just because there's such a, an audience in terms of av geeks and, and airline yeah, enthusiasts who would appreciate it, um, and I have people on my team who love these projects and 
even if I were to direct that project with their help, I think we could do something kind of fun. And you're right. And I'm working on a couple of projects. I can't talk about them, but um, I'm hoping that one of them sees the light of day. Some of these projects um, do not do not get past the conceptual stage, and it's a shame because. I typically never just do a livery. I'm usually always doing the entire brand. So I'm wow. it's identity, okay. it's positioning, storytelling, it's um, design against many touch points. It's uh, pre-flight, airport experience, in-flight. And so um, a lot of work has been done on some airline projects that just didn't get the financing they needed or mm-hmm. whatever, and they got roadblocks. So I'm working on one that um, the prior CEO of a company that I worked with as a, they were my client, we became friends. And um, he is, um, he came to the launch actually. And he's like, he's like, congratulations. And we're friends now. He's like, I'm really proud of you. He goes, but listen, he goes, save your best work for when I get, and I'm like, don't worry. So yeah, I get you. Um, You know, you'll be, you'll be, maybe you'll get the scoop on that project if, uh, we can get it off the ground. I'm very so. excited to see. Again, I, I swear you must be reading my questions because the final one I had for you, again, is related to this. And multiple times now, <laughs> you've picked up on exactly where I'm headed. So it definitely makes for a good interview. But um, next 10 years, it's long, but it's also a short period of time, especially in the field of work you're in. We're talking, I mean, and I think, and I just want to quickly, just to like a quick thing, with Northern Pacific, did you do the whole branding or was it just like delivery? Did you ever say in everything uh-huh. else? Yeah, I mean, I worked on, so the name, um, the livery, um, everything, the the touch point of being the website, the brand video was completely my project. Um, The only thing I didn't work on, which, you know, is what it is, but um, I didn't work on the um, interior cabin. But Mm -hmm. that being said, that's not, that's a highly specialized field. It is, yeah. But they did, of course... Uh, work with the mood boards that I created. So they were very much, and I give them a lot of credit for um, uh, pulling from, you know, faithfully pulling some of the motifs and designs to incorporate. And I really like what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, similar to you, I'm a big uh, fan of the interior of an aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I look at, I follow Priestman Good. I'm not sure if you know that firm. Yeah, uh, I've heard of them. I follow their work closely. Uh, they're like sort of at the top of the, in the world of interiors, they are kind of one yeah. of the big players. And so I, because I'm a big fan of the ceremony of, of travel, so whether it's airport or aircraft, I'm all about the service pro- protocols and the mm-hmm. products. Um, and if I could have a dream job, one of the dream jobs I'd love to have is to be in charge of, let's say, British Airways first class product globally. Mm-hmm. So every aspect of, of that um, a first class, whether it's, you know, customer experience, air, you know, in-flight. So I'm very much interested in that as well, is like how people interact on the aircraft. Um, I was flying Delta and I was really disappointed. I flew in their Delta One product. Okay. Um, and they have these new suites, which are really nicely designed, except they have these arm panels. Mm-hmm. That whole panel pulls up and it can go right down. Okay. But it never stays up. It, it always goes down. So you're sitting there. And you're like, oh, that is the worst. That's really bad. It's like, this is an expensive ticket. And I'm trying to feel like king of the world right now. And instead, I feel like. You're ruining like, it for me. It's kind of ruining it. But um, to my point about just a beautiful aircraft interior, I, mm-hmm. um, I'm very sort of attuned to that as well. Of so, course. Well, at the end of the day, 
It'll only go so far when you have a livery. You need everything to sort of intertwine and match. You don't want the plane to be pink and then the inside yellow. I mean, unless we're speaking there, the colours. You want it to yeah. have some continuity, and that's definitely always important. Um, so just finally, the next 10 years, as I was mentioning, what are some of the yeah. goals and ambitions you have for yourself? It doesn't just have to be related to aviation. I know you are passionate about that, but I yeah. thought we'd conclude on sort of a personal note for you and your goals moving forward. Um, good question. I mean, one thing that I'm... I, I think I'd like to live somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in New York. I maybe would like the West Coast a little bit, so somewhere warmer on a personal note. <laughs> in terms of professional sort of um, ambitions, um, I would like to work um, on more airline projects, um, bigger airline projects. I think part of me is always drawn to sort of uh, expanding my reach and my scope. Mm-hmm. Um I wonder how those challenges would pan out because as you get into the bigger airlines, you're usually working, it's more political and I'm not good with politics. So that would be a challenge for me, but I'm ambitious. And so is Peter. I mean, we are very, I mean, we just, and he's an airplane guy too. So we are always watching the market and we're always looking to see what's going on. And so, yeah, my goal is to work on more of these projects Perhaps we, I could specialize our practice area completely and just do this exclusively. Mm-hmm. But right now I work on other projects. I'm, I've got other things going on yeah. and I just, um, I would love to just work exclusively on an airline project. I would love to maybe, maybe have more of a hand on the interiors as I alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to work with a, a more, a bigger team. Um, and I don't mean be part of a large massive agency, but I work with a very small team of people. Yeah, um, it's two other people and me, and it's and I would love to have a team of maybe you know ten people, mm-hmm. so that I could cover more ground, um, that more people could be sort of working on ideas together. Um, so that's sort of a you know a thought, and that's totally attainable. But um, you know, I'm very picky about who I work with, as we all are. Very you know, we take it so seriously. So it, it's a slow process, but. That would be one of my goals. Of course, that's brilliant. It's always important to take care with what you do and pick pick the right thing and obviously something you're passionate in because you find that if you're yeah. passionate in it, the results are typically done a lot better because you want to execute it to absolute perfection. So I definitely understand. Well, and, what. And clients feel it. Like I think Rob McKinney, um, and I've been very public about this, but I don't think, I've never been given this much autonomy and Rob McKinney from day one has been you know, a real champion of my work. Mm-hmm. And so um, I will go above and beyond for him. I will do whatever it takes. And so that's why <laughs> for the event, I was like, you know, I was everywhere. I am um, very appreciative of that, but I'm also very, pa- he's passionate. I'm passionate. It's good. It's a good combination. So. The event was amazing. Trust me. I, I don't know if you don't know this, but that was the first event I've ever been to in the aviation scene. I'd, I'd never been to anything before. And I had my jaw dropped from the minute I end, well, to the minute I actually got to the hotel. And then the whole entire event, my jaw was just on the floor. I couldn't, I couldn't believe And I said to um, a couple like my parents and so forth and a couple of friends and, and even people there, I was like, this doesn't feel like it's for Northern Pacific. And that's in the best way possible. It felt like it was for an airline that had been flying for 150 years and was celebrating their 150th birthday. Oh, wow. I, I couldn't. But like I said, it was my first event. But even still, I mean, I've been to other sorts of more private functions and whether it was for school and I think just being there I was, there was everything felt intertwined in its own way and I kept banging on about that I mean even the flyers even the billboard even the lanyards that were handed out 
everything just worked. And oh, I think yeah, that yeah. was... It was incredible. I think it definitely elevated the experience. Rather than being dumped in a hangar, as an example, just sort of dumped there, you know, just a couple of chairs, everything felt... Yeah. Everything just felt perfect, from the music to as you're walking into the hangar, you get a bit of an insight into the airline. So you did an amazing job, trust me there. Oh, geez, I really appreciate that because um, it was a big deal and um, it was um, I was obsessed with making it all work. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I've never done an event like that before. So I was as nervous as I was excited to do something great. I was like, Jesus. And we were working with an events company on the West Coast, so I was very arm's length in the whole thing. And um, so I was particularly... Um, um, involved very much so in, in all the details, but I appreciate you saying that. I, um, it means a lot. So it was a first that I'm guessing for many of you, because obviously I've been in close contact with Claire, and that was the first event she's ever done, type of thing. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of it was first, and that was another thing I couldn't quite believe, because for people that are doing that all for the first time, it had no hiccups. It just it ran well, perfect. Well, to my knowledge, <laughs> to my knowledge, <laughs> as someone, far, uh, but you know, no, I think you're right. It, we, we, it was basically was Peter, me, Claire, and Alfredo. Mm -hmm. Four That's people, incredible. Two of them junior, like, and but you know what? Goes to show you, um, hire for attitude. Like both of those two were like so freaking committed. Mm -hmm. They felt my pain. They felt my excitement, and they wanted to do. And you know what? I've been in this business long enough, and you can get jaded so easily. And there have been times where I may not have. But this was one of those exceptional, like, okay, we're doing this. And um, everyone took deep breaths. And we had a lot of fun, too. We had a lot of fun. And so I want people who work with me to sort of ride that roller coaster. And hopefully I can deliver an experience that we can all write home about. Like, that, for me, makes, makes me happy. Versus the person who works at the big, fancy firm. But they're never going to get near anything close because there's just so many levels. Of course. Um, and I told Alfredo that when, when we interviewed. And I said, Alfredo, listen, I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, our business is a little, you know, there's a risk factor with my business. Like, I'm always looking for my next client and I eat what I kill. Like, this is not. So if you need a, you know, a, a if you want the guarantees of the job, because people want that, that's nothing wrong with that. I just don't know. But if you're prepared to kind of like go down this path with me, I'm hoping that I can deliver some great experiences for you. And so sure enough, the night of the event, once it all happened, we were having a drink and I'm like, Alfredo, I just want you to know, like I'm happy because I'm able to give you this experience. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot to me. And he was like, wow. Like, we had, that is the business. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I appreciate your um, your observations and uh, your uh, compliment. Yeah. It was brilliant. Trust me. Um, I don't want to keep you any longer, but I wanted to say it was an absolute pleasure having the chance to sit down with you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening also to sit with me. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Sure. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to listening to it. Or thank um, you. <laughs> voice. Oh God. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You get you get used to it. I was like that originally, and then five years, really? ago, I'm like, oh, I don't sound too bad, but. Trust me, at first, I was like, oh, it's, it's just how I, I get what you mean. But thank you so, so much. I really, really do appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing whatever you do in the future as well, especially in the aviation skiing area. Pardon cool. me. That's good. Perfect. Thank you very All much. All Take right. Care. Have a good night. You too. Have a good day. I'm All going right. to sleep anyway, so bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. All right. 
You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.